Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just a magnet. Yeah, just a magnet. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there, grunting. Yeah. And then I'll step like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like and he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at 140 in the afternoon back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yards shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you killed that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass called me one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops for sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, and I probably sound a little different in your ear holes. 
Um, homie, how, how you sound coming in the year holes? I sound pretty normal. That's because I kind of got a normal setup besides my location. Yeah, we are, uh, we are mid, um, mid vacation work crisis right now. I'm uh, a <laughs> 200 miles away in a hotel room tonight. And homie, are you in the garage? I'm in the basement. Oh, the basement. Yeah, I got That's the old couch choice. down here, man. It's actually not bad. We might need you to think about it. got the old couch down there? Man. <laughs> That is the fire spot. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm in Iowa, um, and uh, man, there's some good country around here for where I'm at right now. I did a lot of track traveling today, and I've seen some really cool – seen a lot of does. I've seen some really cool ground, though. But um, we are like three days away from vacation, man. How do you feel right now? Um, you know, going into it a couple weeks ago, I was like, man, dude, you know, it's – it's going to be a, a daunting task, but as we're getting close, man, I'm just getting more jacked up. Like, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to be on day six just sitting there waiting on a stud to show up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm uh, anxious, nervous. Um, I'm nervous when we get a buck down, getting the dang thing out. That's what I keep thinking about. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I'm like, there's a whole day wasted right there. So. Yeah, I was like, man, that's going to be kind of uh, of a stagnant podcast day kind of stagnant it might not be too bad on the video side of it but um like the putting in the work to get it out is going to be bad but you're just like okay yeah we didn't do much today we just drug this buck a half mile <laughs> yeah so well um i think we should get into what we got going on um so with all this going on we haven't missed an episode since we started every wednesday at 11 a.m central time so with me being gone, bunch of family stuff going up, trying to get everything done before, you know, our 16 days off, um, we're still bringing an episode to you guys, no matter what it takes. So I'm on the phone and our guest is going to be on the phone. Um, we're going to have the guys from the Venary on and uh, these guys killed three bucks in October already. Already. Yeah. So. Uh, we talked to these guys in the past when they were O-Town outdoors, and they come on a legend episode and talked about a buck that they hunted um, and uh, got the back this year on it. Just an absolute legendary deer. So if you guys want to check that episode out, um, that that, would, the frame on that deer is so cool. Yeah, that would be the uh, Legend of the Woods episode talking about Houdini. Houdini, yeah. And uh, we became pretty good friends with these guys, and they kind of rebranded. And uh, we're going to go over that, but we're also going to go over just them dropping three studs in October. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like everybody wants to kill in early October. You know what I mean? And they killed in early October, October lull, you know, now rolling in, you know, to, to mid-October. And um, I, I want to be just like them, man. I want to get it done that early. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into it and see what they figured out. Um, they're doing something different than we got going on. We've been so close, yeah, multiple times, man. Um, so we're having. I don't think we've ever had a year where we've been this close this many times. Yeah. So, so uh, let's get into the people that make this possible. Get in the show. Um, we're gonna start off with the VIP. Do you have the VIP veteran broadhead shout out? Yeah, this week's shout out is gonna be Ethan Hart. Ethan was a part of the Marine Corps, said he loved serving his country, and now enjoys being stateside, and uh, wanted me to throw out there that he enjoys being single. So I'm sure being in there in the Marine Corps, you're uh, always tied up, you know, having responsibility and duties, and uh, now that you're back home, being able to 
enjoy life here stateside. I can see the perks of being single once again. So uh, appreciate your service there, Ethan, and uh, glad you made it back home safe, brother. Yeah, waking up with having something to do every day and a bunch of people depending on you to do it to waking up and having no one depend on you would be pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, right, so right. I could see why you would say that. But, yeah, thanks for your service, man. Huge respect for what you did over there, and uh, so glad you made it home safe. Um, we're going to mix it up. I'm going to hit the render. Um, the render has been incredibly solid for us, guys. We made a – homie made a move with it, um, took a night where he wasn't hunting, could have hunted but didn't hunt, and he moved the render. And uh, it was a game changer for an area that we thought was good. We thought we knew what the does were doing, but this is like, okay, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And we had a shooter on there in daylight, um, another buck saved by the railroad. So <laughs> um, just going back to that render, this is a spot where this ground actually closes for a while and uh, you can't hunt it and then it opens back up. So if that wasn't a mobile cam out there, we would have no intel in that area. So having the render out there is so vital of a tool to let us know, you know, the first day we go back in there, should we go back to this area or should we, you know, there's nothing going on. We should just stay out of there, you know, and in my mind right now, I think we should crash in there first day, you know yeah. what I mean? For what, what's got, what we got going on. But if we didn't have a cell cam back there, it, you couldn't tell that at all. And um, the render service is incredible, man. I know we had some trouble with the service, on a, a couple other cell cams and that freaking nightly update is so key. I wish every company would pick up on that, that update that just says, yeah, your camera's still working. Yeah. You know, it's still out here. Nothing came through. Cause there's nothing worse than a camera that hasn't took pictures in three days. You know what I mean? And you're like, is this thing working? Is it not working? But, uh, I wish we had about three more renders, but then we'd say we need six. So. <laughs> yeah, we Not found even. that out with regular cameras this year. Yeah. We're like, oh, <laughs> if we just had 20 cameras, we'd be set. Get 20 cameras, we'd be like, all right, man, I just need 12 more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to hit you with Ingram's Outdoor Obsession uh, right out of Oneida, Illinois. The dude is missing deer season to Mount Bucks. Unbelievable. Um, I guess he's, he's seeing a lot more inches of bone than we are for sure but <laughs> but uh definitely you know losing out on a passion to do another passion that's something we talk about a lot you know we gave up a lot of stuff just to hunt you know what i mean so this is what we do and now he just mounts deer you know that's his passion so um do you have who else you got over there yeah i got uh last breath tv coming at you um, they just put out their video for their current season that they're unveiling right now every Saturday morning. Um, they just put that out on YouTube last week, uh, their episode of Dump, which is the biggest buck that they have been able to capture on video as a team. So uh, this is a buck that was harvested on 19 acres, the smallest piece with the biggest deer. Uh, Cody and I know something a, a little bit about that, having small pieces to hunt and... Um, it was cool to see Jeff be able to get it done like that on a small piece. And um, that deer was limping when he was coming in. So um, Jeff had seen him earlier in the year. And uh, before I ruin any more of the episode, you, you guys can go check it out on the Last Breath YouTube channel. Yeah, super solid episode. Giant buck. And they nailed the footage on that, man. Yeah, I think um, Logan was freehanding that all, also. Yeah, 
crushed my freehand skills. So uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, All right, guys. Well, we gotta. What you go ahead? Oh no, I was just gonna have you uh, get into Hunt Reminder. Yeah, we got a new one for you guys. This is something that I found. Um, it's called HuntReminder.com, and uh, this is an incredibly useful tool for me. Like I am one of the most forgetful guys ever. Homie can attest to this. Um, and Hunt Reminder is basically a app or a website that will send you text messages when a when a tag is up for sale. Like for Illinois, we have to put in for turkey season and there's like five different seasons you can choose from. And there's like three different lotteries. It's super confusing. And I have no idea why they do it this way. But uh, Help Reminder just sent me a message and say, hey, first lottery is almost over for Illinois turkey. You know what I mean? And I haven't got in. So I seen that message. I'm like, man, I need to get my shit together and get that sent in. You know what I mean? And then I got on the website and another cool thing that I was digging through there was like, you can click like Montana and you can see everything you can hunt in Montana, or you can go to Missouri and you can see everything that you can hunt in Missouri. So there's a lot of stuff like you, like Buffalo, you know, you can put in for a reminder to put in for Buffalo points. You know what I mean? That's something that it would be, if, if a guy hunted multiple States trying to remember all this stuff would be super hard. So um, if you if this sounds like something that would, uh, you guys could utilize, check out huntreminder.com. All right, man. That, that pretty much wraps that up. All right. Well, let's get these guys on the phone. This is a little different. We, uh, we, we, we're not catching each other's vibes because we're so far apart. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, we got to make it happen for the listeners, though. Um, big shout out to you guys. You guys have absolutely been crushing the download numbers, um, clicking that play button, send us messages. Um, getting us jacked up for this rut hunt we got coming. Um, just huge shout out to you guys. So much love out there for us right now. Um, and we're about to have another record setting month. It's unbelievable. Uh, every month we're like, ah, it can't get better than this. And then it does. You know what I mean? So huge thank you to you guys. And uh, let's get these guys on the show. Yeah. All right, guys, we got the Venari effect on the line. Um, we're three deep on this. That's uh, five five people on this podcast and uh, three different phones, so this should be pretty interesting. <laughs> got to make it work when you can, right? Heck, yeah. So uh, appreciate you guys coming on. You guys have had an unbelievable early season, um, and it started back a couple months ago when you let out the news that you guys were rebranding and changing it up. And uh, like I said, we follow you guys, got huge respect for you guys, just your positivity online and the way you guys go about business um, is a lot different than most groups out there. So uh, go ahead and just break down to listeners kind of what you guys got going on and introduce all yourselves. Um, We did mention that you guys were on before on the Legend series, but uh, this is a this is a new Jake Easton and Nick. So go ahead and introduce yourself and break down the, the effect. So I'm Nick Miller, to my right, I'm Easton McNeil, and I'm Jake Miller. And Jake and I are brothers, so if we sound alike, we apologize. We've got that plenty of times before our whole lives. We look the same and we sound the same, but we're not twins. <laughs> so yeah, we've been uh, obviously passionate hunters for as far as far back as we can remember. Um, our dad would take us to the woods when we were kids and we would, you know, just sit with him and he usually would be picking up the video camera and filming deer instead of shooting them with his bow. So we naturally gravitated towards 
trying to film our hunts, not for any specific reason other than we just we just loved it. So when we were in uh, high school, so it's been you know almost a decade ago now, we decided to try to turn that into a brand, which was formerly O Town Outdoors, and that was just kind of something that uh, we threw together quick. We are from a small town called Ontario, Ohio, not Ontario, Canada, and uh, we refer to it as O Town. So we slapped outdoors on the end of it and just kind of rolled with it here we are a decade later and uh jake and i have a, a small business on the side called benari studios where we film weddings we do some marketing projects for different companies and we decided hey why don't we try to align our hunting content and kind of have it all under the same umbrella and easton's been a good friend of ours for a, a long time now and is just as passionate as we are so we kind of put all three of our heads together and looked at what we could come up with and uh venari means to hunt and then the effect is basically how hunting makes all of us feel and we we often talked about growing up how you know there's so many things that happen in the woods and so many emotions that we feel when we're hunting and we can't always even explain what those are but folks like you guys know exactly what we're talking about and you guys experience the same things we said hey why don't we make this all about the Venari effect, the hunting lifestyle, the emotions that we feel that we can't always explain, the highs, the lows, and uh, really try to kind of have that as our backbone. So that's that's kind of where we are now. And with, with part of that rebrand, um, we decided that it was going to be really important for us to crank out as much content as consistently as possible. So... We came out with a new series called Tailgate Talks, which is basically just like a discussion. You could call it a podcast if you wanted to, but we just talk about anything and everything that relates to hunting. And there's an episode about our rebrand if anyone wants to go and look at more details about why and how we switched. And then as of September 1st, we've been cranking out three videos a week, three new pieces of content every week on YouTube. Um noon every day on monday wednesday and friday and that's going to continue until we run out of content which might happen sooner than we think because of <laughs> <packed> out. so <laughs> nice man yeah that consistency is hard uh it seems easy when you talk about it but me and homies talked about trying to do you know uh, more more on youtube and with being dads and working and stuff um there's just not enough time to, to do it all. You know what I mean? So huge shout out to you guys for putting out three episodes a week. That's a huge task. A lot of people think, Oh, you just record, you know, and then you just put it out there, but they don't think about, you know, everybody got to get together and then, well, now we got to hunt, we got to film it. We got to edit it. We got to upload it, um, schedule everything, make a clip or, I mean, there's a lot to what you guys are doing. And, uh, and we understand homie, Without homie, there is no way I could run this podcast and video. There's absolutely no way I could do it. So um, just props to you guys for three episodes a week. That's huge. We appreciate that. And we, we have the utmost respect for, for exactly what you just described because, you know, we're the same way. It's families, bills to pay, jobs, real real life. And then you find time just like you guys to make, make room for your passion. And we have – I think more respect for guys like that than anything, because that is real world. You know, you hear a lot of folks talk about this is, you know, real world hunting or whatever. And 
it's about as real as it gets when you just, you know, called us beforehand. And you said you got off a parent teacher conference uh, virtually for your son and you're in a different state right now for work. Like that's, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it takes is what we say. And that's what <laughs> it takes to run this same thing. So, uh, well, we got, we got through your guys' rebranding. And uh, like I said, we, we've followed you guys for a long time. We got huge respect for you guys. So when you guys rebranded, um, I had to get another T-shirt. The since nude shirt is still, like, my wife was wearing it to bed the other night. I was like, absolutely not. Take that <laughs> off. That's like top five shirts I own right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's so, well, let's let's get into the reason that we had you on. So, you guys shot three bucks, one late September, one early October, and one here just really recently. And uh, for a lot of guys out there. Like that early season kill is such a drive because the stress is off, right? Like you guys said, you tagged out now. Like you can try to make plans maybe to go somewhere else, but what you've worked for all year has been accomplished. Um, so and Jake, you killed September 28th. So if you want to kind of dive into to the hunt story a little bit and and how you set up and and uh, just describe the buck, and then after that, let the people know where they can actually watch the hunt. Well, we'll I'll start, um, and this is true for all three of the bucks that we killed this year, but um, nothing went according to plan. <laughs> and that's that's true for every every hunt, basically, that we, we had. Um, so mine, I, I got my hands on a, a mobile set, an XOP stick and stand set, and Nick and Easton over the summer had been watching this one property that we have permission to hunt on. And we are one of like 20 people that have permission to hunt this property. We, so we, we, we joke like, that it's, we joke that it's our, our private public piece or our public private piece. Yeah. Just, 20 people. I'd say that. I don't know how big it is, but a lot of pieces me and homie don't even see 20 people a year on public. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a, a couple hundred acres, and it, it, set, it sets up pretty well. You can kind of space yourself out. There's multiple blocks of timber within and a lot of ag, and it's pretty hilly, rolly terrain, which I think helps. And a lot of those guys do hit it, you know, gun season, November. But pretty much every night we went out there, there was, there was other guys out there with us. So, but the only reason why I was able to have success that night was because Nick and Easton put in a bunch of time over the summer going out there in the evenings and found this little secluded section of, of the property where there was alfalfa and soybeans drip crop and saw a bunch of deer funneling out there in the summer months. Saw a couple of good bucks out there and Nick and my father hunted there on Sunday night, which would have been the second night of the season and saw a really good buck. So I went in, I had, I was fortunate, I worked a long day on Monday and then was able to get off early on Tuesday and go in there and do a hang hunt close to where those deer were coming out. Um, the buck that Nick and dad saw was not the one that I ended up arrowing. I did see that deer, but he did something totally different than he had been doing two days prior. So it just goes to show even early in the season, you never know what these bucks are going to do. You might think that you're early enough in the year that they could still be on their pattern, but anything can happen once, once the page turns and you get closer to uh, the end of September, beginning of October. So 
I was between six and eight feet off the ground in a hanging hunt in a tree that was completely covered in poison ivy. I got poison ivy basically all over my body after after this hunt was over because I, I didn't have time to wash it off, but it didn't matter. It was worth it. So, and I was, at the time, Nick and I were hunting the same piece, but we were in different sections, both self-filming. So I had a tree arm with a camera mounted to it, filming myself, and Nick did the same thing in a different location. And uh, I was watching these, it was a doe and two fawns come down out of a bedding area, feed out into that alfalfa and bean strip crop. And they kept looking back to their right, my left. And I thought, there's got to be another deer coming. And sure enough, I, I turned just in time to see. All I remember in the moment was a, a wide, tall frame of antlers step out of the woods and stop. And he looked right in my direction, but I had enough cover around me, surprisingly enough, that low in a tree that he never, never could have known what I was. I filmed him as he walked out to the beans. And... The tree arm, which is an old tree arm, we've used it for probably a decade now, but I've never had to do any maintenance on it, and I should have because it creaked, made noise, and that buck stopped like a mature deer does and looked around. He knew where the sound came from. He knew he didn't like it and started to take a couple steps forward, and I thought, here's my shot. It's going to be 35 yards, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't stop. He didn't slow down. He actually trotted off another 20 or 25 yards and for whatever reason decided to stop quartering away slightly and I had drawn my bow at that point and I knew he was going to be at a distance I had ranged out to that point and knew that it was roughly 50 yards maybe a little further 50 or 60 yards and so I put my bottom pin on him and followed him as he trotted out there and when he stopped I took a deep breath pulled the trigger and let the arrow fly. We've, we've practiced for a long time at great distances and I shoot a pretty heavy arrow and I have a pretty quiet bow. So I, I felt confident in my ability to shoot out that far. We practice at 60, 70, 80, 90 yards all the time. So I was dialed in. Um, and in the moment I let that arrow fly and he ducked quite a bit and he wheeled away from me and my arrow struck him just in front of that front leg and caught that artery. And it was just caught. so um, there was definitely a little bit of luck on my side for that hunt. Um, I don't know that I would take a shot like that again, but like we said in the video, sometimes emotions run high. And if you feel confident in it, that's probably the best thing working for you at that point. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I made the decision on the fly in that moment and it all worked out. But you're pretty glad you did now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, confidence is key, man. If you're confident in your shot, I always say take it. Um, everybody has a limit of range that they set. And uh, I know guys that are comfortable shooting 70, 80 yards and I, I've seen them shoot. I'm comfortable with them shooting that far. You know what I mean? Um, they can they can get it done at that kind of range. Uh, Logan Sellers, one of our buddies, if he took a shot at 60, 70 on set something, I'd have no, I wouldn't be like, oh, this dude's crazy. You know what I mean? He just He's just really good at shooting, and he shoots at 100 all the time. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's something that I do not do. So like 50, 55, 
60 is really far for me. You know what I mean? So um, we like them 25 and in, don't we, homie? Yeah, I say you can't beat 25 and in, man. <laughs> <laughs> homie gets in a tree, is like, well, no easy shots out of this thing. <laughs> Half the problem is, you know, Cody or I will hang a stand, and he's left-handed. I'm right-handed, so whoever hangs a stand is who it's going to be set up for, and then the other guy gets up there, and it's all messed up. <laughs> for sure. That's how it normally goes. <laughs> well, we noticed, too, like, and I'm sure you guys have, being as experienced bow hunters as you are, it's wild how much a deer can duck at that distance. I mean, even less, you 30, we'll get to Easton's and, you know, like a 35 yard shot. It's incredible how, how quick these bows are and how fast that arrow gets there and how much they can still duck. And that's, I say that's one huge takeaway we learned from, from Jake's deer specifically. I mean, that sucker, if you slow that video down, he ducked a country mile. It's crazy. Yeah. They can duck. It's like homies buck last year. Um, he was out of 40 and that deer ducked and turned you know, so much in the video, his shot's pretty good. You know what I mean? You slow it down, it's right in there. It's a touch back, center mass touch back. You know what I mean? Sure. But that deer was already alert. He was 40, 45-ish and um, out in the middle of the food plot, you know. And uh, he ducked and turned and he hit him way back, you know. And that's just stuff that happens. It's, it's tough. But what's crazy is the guy that we uh, – we were talking about, you know, we were hunting public and we'd seen him shoot that deer. He hit that deer inches away from where homie hit sunshine last year. Mm-hmm. And that deer died in two minutes. You know what I mean? And we jumped sunshine the next day. So it just goes to show you during bow hunt, they say it's a game of inches. It's also a game of inches of when you hit the dang deer. You know what I mean? Uh, if you hit an artery, it's going to go down. If you're two inches higher like homie was you know there's nothing there so it's tough but it happens for sure that's a fantastic point to bring up i think for especially like new bow hunters we had we had a few people actually tell us after watching the video of jake's deer not even to go and look for the thing and then said there's no way that deer's dead that's a flesh wound and obviously i i would have never stood for that i i would have wouldn't look for that deer until there was absolutely you know no no options available or a landowner told me i couldn't go on their property like that that's just not something we would ever do but it's it's wild like you said you might see that exact same hit next year or in that deer lives like it's it's crazy you just never know how even like the, like the body structure of the deer probably factors into that as well you might hit a deer in the same spot and he might go 50 yards versus a thousand like yours did well, yeah, it's just like in even in people, where where our internal organs sit varies from person to person, a couple inches. It's the same thing in a deer too. So that artery on a different butt might not have been there, or the lungs might have been sitting a little forward, and I could have hit some of those. Or everything is case by different case, deer to deer, and and case to case. And I was, this is something that I've said multiple times. I think every time I've killed a deer with the setup. I currently shoot i say this but just every single every single time it reinforces my idea i shoot a, a small it's like an inch and a quarter or an inch and an eighth three blade fixed broadhead on a rather heavy arrow and some of the entry and exit holes like that entry hole that was on my buck looked like it could have been an expandable broadhead that was a two inch cut 
So I, I'm a big fan of that. We all of us have our own different opinions, but for me personally, I'm I've built up so much confidence in in that setup and in my ability to shoot that setup accurately that I don't think I'll ever change. Yeah, once you find something, I'm huge on that. Once you find something you like, you know it's working good. It's awesome. You look at all everything coming out, all the new stuff. But uh, even people that change and try new stuff, they always go back to what they know, it seems like. You know, they give it a shot a season, and they're like, well, I really like this, and then they go back. You know what I mean? So yep. as long as that's, it never fails you, there's no reason to really switch it up in my mind. That's why I still drive the same truck and the same junk car. You know what I mean? Yep. Until they not <laughs> going, they're pretty solid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yep. All right, well, let's get into Easton Bucks. That was on October 3rd. So you guys were all on like a super high already, you know, 28th. Everybody, we're not even hunting yet. You already got a buck down here in Illinois. And then Easton kills one on the third. So. Yeah. The fact that Jake shot one as early as he did to us seemed like a fluke. So to think that I would shoot one four days later, obviously, wasn't even in our minds. But I hunt basically two properties year round or during season. And one is here where we're at right now in central Ohio. And then one is in the southeast side of the state. And I've hunted that property for five or six years now. And actually, it's my girlfriend's family's property. And if you don't have a girlfriend whose family owns 200 plus acres of prime hunting real estate, I would recommend that you get one. <laughs> <laughs> Great tip. <laughs> so, yeah, it, the property's been good to us over the years. And I've been really wanting to get one here in central Ohio. So it's it's kind of hard to believe, but the size of racks definitely differs between the two areas. So up here, I have pictures of rather large deer down there. I mean, the biggest deer we were hunting was the one that I shot. And so, and he wasn't, he wasn't on that farm very often. So I never thought that I would shoot one down there as early as I did. But I hunted, I think, four total hunts here in central Ohio. And I went down there that weekend, not expecting much. So we went into that blind. Well, I guess I should back up. The evening prior, um, I went out to hunt that same blind that I ended up shooting mine out of Saturday night. And it's over a food plot, and I've worked my tail off getting that stupid thing to actually grow. It's taken, I think, three tries to get the thing to take. And so it's planted in, it's a quarter acre of clover. And then I ran a strip of a blend between radishes and turnips right up through the middle. And uh, those, I went in there Friday night and the, the radishes and turnips had pretty much been leveled down to the ground and I hadn't even gotten a chance to hunt them. So I was super disappointed. And I got up there to hunt and threw some milkweed and it was swirling all over the place. And at one point it was blowing directly into where I anticipated these deer to be coming from. So Friday night I elected to back out of there and not even hunt it and basically just kind of gave up on the evening hunt in general. And uh, Saturday night, my girlfriend was with me and we went in there together and we both took our bows just because I definitely didn't think it, there would be anything showing up that I would want to shoot. 
but it's still more fun just to have your bow and feel like you're actually hunting. So we both took them. There's a deer down there that she's been hunting for every bit of the five years that we've been down there. And uh, so we expected that the deer she wanted to shoot would be the one to pop out before the one that I ended up shooting because he's only been on camera a couple times over the summer. And uh, we set up and I think it was, it was what, 630? 630. Yeah, there was a doe that popped out and she came right in front of the blind and I was kind of messing around filming her. And I look up in the back of the plot and this stinking deer was standing there eating the brassicas and I have no idea where he came from. It's not where I expected the deer to come from even. And so it was absolute chaos trying to get my bow set up because I had it sitting in my lap, but I had my quiver sitting on the other side of the blind. I didn't have an arrow in my bow. She was sitting there with her bow in her hand with an arrow knocked ready to go because we were thinking that if anything showed up, it'd be one that she might want to shoot. So we had to, I had to get her bow out of her hands and I was holding her bow and I was like, push the knock out of your string. That way the arrow would fall because there was nowhere to set it without it poking a hole through the blind. And it was absolute chaos. So finally I got the camera over to her because I was holding it in my hands and uh, she was able to get on the deer. I got a arrow out of my quiver and got it knocked. And the deer was at 35 yards and I ranged it a few different times. And finally I felt confident that he was where in a spot that I could shoot him. And so I told her once he takes a step and gets that that front leg forward rather than back, I was going to take a shot. So he took another step and I let one fly. And uh, right off the rip, I thought I absolutely smoked him. And he took off out of the plot. And in this area, it's super, super hilly compared to central Ohio where it's a lot of ag. And uh, he took off down the ridge side and... After reviewing the footage, we thought maybe he was quartered to just, I mean, barely, but the arrow wasn't quite right up against that front side shoulder. So we were worried that maybe on the entry, I for sure got lung, but on the exit, I may have clipped the liver. And I lucked out that weekend. Nick actually happened to be in Southern Ohio for a wedding. And so I gave him a call and pause, pause. Who schedules a wedding during deer season? Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> one of your friends. Yeah. Way, way too many people. We just filmed the wedding uh, last weekend. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> it, 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 it was either a blessing or a curse, but I, naturally, when you shoot a deer yourself, you're all amped up and you just want to go find him and know that he's dead. So not being sure about the shot i texted a few different people and uh we decided it was definitely a dead deer but we weren't sure if it would have gotten liver or both lungs and so we decided to let it go overnight of course i'm sure if you've ever left a deer overnight you know how little sleep you get but the next morning we woke up and my girlfriend and i went ahead and picked the track job and nick and his girlfriend were supposed to be coming over from where they were staying and we picked up the blood and tracked it for probably 150 yards before Nick and his girlfriend got there. And uh, once they got there, we decided to just leave blood, go find them, and then worry about the deer, you know, once we picked them up. And uh, so we ended up 
walking out to go find them. And as we were walking out in this big, tall, grassy field, we looked up and the deer was laying there under a tree. And unfortunately, coyotes had got to them before we did. But yeah, it was super exciting to finally find deer and uh, get my hands on them. Yeah, it's always a tough choice. I've left them overnight. I've actually left one six and a half hours and the coyotes have got it. Jeez. See, yeah, that that was so. something we had never ran into. So we were confident and it was it was a very cool night. So the heat was not a concern of ours, but even then we've never had a deer get torn up by the coyotes. So leaving it overnight, we were confident that, you know, we'd find it in the morning dead and untouched, but they were they were kind enough to stop chewing on him at the point that you would need to cut off the cage to do a shoulder mount. So that was, that was a plus. Nice. Yeah. I, the, the homeboy, when I, I killed him like nine in the morning and then I went in there that afternoon um, to get him, you know, it was in November, nice and cool. And uh, I couldn't even find his back legs. Everything was gone from the ribs up, down. Wow. Had already been they were drug off and gone and uh they completely ripped the cape on him. I had to get a new cape. Um I was able to get a summer cape though. There's something about an early season summer cape on a buck mound that looked I I really like the way they look compared to the long haired winter. So there's a positive in everything, I guess, but uh I didn't know that the coyotes had got him to him, but that's something I think when you hunt long enough. You got to make a decision like, do I jump this deer and never find him? Or do I, and the coyotes get him anyway, or do I risk, you know, let him set, then I will find him. And I got a better chance of the coyotes not getting him then than if he's out there and dies and I can't find him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think everybody's had to make that decision at one point. And it's just a matter of time. All it takes is, you know, a coyote running along there and finding him. You know what I mean? Yeah. it's probably worth noting we they left the guts untouched, all the vital organs and everything. So we pulled those out, and it did turn out to be a double lung. The liver was untouched. But, yeah, it's one of those things where you try to make the best, most, most ethical call as a hunter as you can. And we're actually trying to have a local guy that does blood trailing with a dog come on one of our tailgate talks and talk because a lot of people think, you know, they get too antsy. And just want to go find their deer and they don't make the right call and end up bumping that deer and never finding it. Yeah, I think that happens a ton. Um, a lot of things, a lot of that I see is where I think people make a mistake is they should get, they, they take the shot. Okay. I'm not real sure about the shot. It wasn't, you know, a hundred percent shot. I didn't see the deer go down. Then they go look at the arrow. Then they say, Oh man, the arrow, you know, I wasn't real sure about it. And then they go, well, I only went 60 yards into the woods. That 60 yards into the woods spot is where I think everybody fails. And uh, if I could say one thing on this podcast, people listening, um, just like the buck you shot two ruts ago, homie, you yeah. know, you got, you looked at that arrow. If you would have went 25 yards, you'd have bumped that deer. Right. You know what I mean? So those deer, when they get shot like that, they don't go very far. You know, if it's a fatal hit, you know, they're not going to go very far before they bed down most of the time, unless they're bumped. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's just my case. And everybody I talk to that ends up not finding the deer, 
oh, we went 60 yards in, blood wasn't good, so we left. And then the next morning they find a bed, you know what I mean? And then yep. they find another bed. So I think if you don't find them in that first bed, you've got a 50% chance of finding that deer in my mind. You know what I mean? What if you bumped them out of that first bed? Yeah, we, we didn't find any beds with this one, which obviously with a double lung, you're probably not going to because of where he stops, where he's going to die. But especially in that hill country, he went a total straight line distance of 320 yards. But the drop-offs of these hills are so steep that he had gravity on his side. Mm-hmm. And pretty much barreled straight downhill and crashed under a big tree, which is where they got to it. Yeah, homie, your buck was it maybe, what, 150? No, yeah, so I shot him in just kind of like the same thing. He had went down in this creek bottom, and then he made it up about halfway up the hillside, found a down tree, hopped behind it, and was actually probably perched up looking back towards me in the stand, and he could actually probably see me in the tree. Um, I waited, I think, two and a half hours before I got down. It was kind of a mid-morning um, shot, and I think I got down at 11, uh, went over to the shot site, picked up my arrow, and then, um, you know, I was already unsure about the shot. And then I picked up my arrow. My arrow looked really good, and uh, I could just see, you know, the start of the blood trail. Just decided to back out, let Cody come down. And then um, <clears throat> as we got down to that creek bottom, Cody's like, oh, there he is right there on the hillside looking across from him. And, I mean, we're 30 yards from him. And I'm still kind of up on top of the ridge that he initially come down where I shot him off of. And I looked back at my tree and like I could just see him looking back at me. And uh, just like Cody had already said, you know, if I'd have went 15, 20 yards into that track job, started coming over that ridge down to that creek, he would have bumped and I would have probably not been able to get onto the neighbor's um, land to go over there and get him. So. When in doubt, back out, right? Exactly. Yeah. I would say Crazy. that's something you learn pretty quick, too. It, you you get burned one time pretty good on, you know, bumping a deer and taking a blood trail too early. That's something you learn, and uh, it's a hard lesson to learn, man. Very. Yeah, we've been there a, a time or two in our younger days, and that's why with both Easton and Jake's hit, we both recovered on the next morning, and it was the same deal. Like, hey, we, we've been here before. We, we know what we need to do, and it's get the heck out of there. All right, well, not to be outdone by your brother there, you, you decided you were just going to let the anticipation ride for a while, but then you end up getting it done. And what was the date on that? That was October 10th. The 10th. Man. This is so funny, too, because – I, was, I wouldn't have been in to kill the buck that I killed if it weren't for him. And Easton had really good luck following that. And we got together and we were we were chit-chatting. I think we were filming a tailgate talk. And Nick's like, man, you guys both shot your biggest bow bucks early in the year. You had a meeting with the deer gods and you forgot to invite me. <laughs> and uh, we, we ended that tailgate talk with Nick saying, you know, we don't know when the next tailgate talk will be that we're going to film. We don't know what it's going to be about, but maybe it'll be about me and the buck that I shot. You know, <laughs> like three days later, you know, spoke it into existence. <laughs> but yeah, it was the evening of October 10th, and uh, it wasn't, we didn't even really have that good of weather in Ohio here. It was like, I think it was like 70 during the day, maybe dropping into the, the high 60s in the evening. 
And believe it or not, Jake and I don't get to hunt together a whole lot. Just our schedules are so busy. I, I sometimes, you know, have my dad filming me and I'm with Easton. I'm with our buddy, Corey, who, who does a lot of hunting with us as well. So anytime Jake and I get out, we have a, a lot of fun together and going into this hunt, we were just super excited to be out. But we went back to the same property that Jake killed his, and we were specifically targeting the buck that my father and I had spotted and that Jake was originally hunting. You know, he obviously lucked out and, and saw him, but then killed a different buck. So we were slipping in there to try to, to try to get it done with him. And uh, we ended up hunting exactly where Jake had spotted him, which is about 80 yards away, overlooking a kind of an access road that the farmer has. And there's a lot of, of oaks in the area that were dropping just a ton of acorns. So what was so funny about this sit is we, we did another hanging hunt and we had kind of tossed back and forth where we wanted to sit. We, we thought about sitting exactly where Jake did. We thought about sitting on the ground. We ended up walking past where we hung the stands and then changing our minds completely and sticking with our gut and, and sitting in that original spot that we had saw him. So that, uh, ended up being the, the right call. But like I said, what was crazy about this hunt is the landowner happened to be bailing hay on that farm that day. He was bailing the alfalfa strips in the alfalfa and beans that I hunted over. Yeah. So we had a truck drive under us, the landowner drive under us twice, and we're, we're 20, exactly 20.8 yards from this access road. And the landowner drives under us twice on his tractor, pulling wagons, and then we had another truck, I assume, that was, you know, helping them bail drive under us. So we're sitting up there laughing. We're actually, like, hiding in the tree because <laughs> this landowner is a, an awesome guy, great guy, and he just, he's a good old boy. Just just loves to talk to you. Um, he doesn't care if you're in a tree stand, if you're on the ground calling in a turkey, he's, he's going to stop, and he's going to talk to you for an hour. So we were like, man, like... You know, we, we obviously love him and we're so, so thankful he lets us hunt, but we're like, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to get caught up talking right now. We're trying to kill this deer. So <laughs> it was just a rodeo, like Jake had said early on. And uh, sure enough, I, I looked over at Jake and I was like, man, you know, when, when this settled down, I've seen, you know, I've seen before, I've had hunts before where there's, you know, human activity or farm, farming equipment activity. And as soon as they're out of there, those deer pour out. And sure enough, as soon as they, they left to head back home, the deer just started dumping into that oak flat. We had, I don't know, we had probably 20 plus deer within like a 20 yard bubble under us. I remember tapping Jake on the shoulder and saying like, dude, this is nuts. Like this is one of the best hits I've ever had. And we didn't have, we didn't even have a buck under us at that point. It was just does and fawns, but they were just, I mean, you could hear them crunching the acorns right, right below our stand. I think you were filming through your platform, right? I was filming in between my legs. You can see my feet. And in frame, you can see, like, five deer. And we're only 15 feet off the ground. It's not like we were 30 feet up. You weren't even wearing camouflage. Jake, Jake looked like he was guiding a, a dang safari. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we were, you know, seeing a lot of deer. I said, man, this is good. I feel good about this. A couple younger bucks had, had strolled in and were munching on acorns. And at about 7.05, on the neighbors, we could see a couple really dark-bodied deer kind of working up through the timber. And we both looked at each other and we were like, those are bucks. We couldn't really tell yet. It's like a – they actually hinge-cut the neighbors, so it's super thick in there. 
so we couldn't really tell, but we kind of we kind of both had a feeling, I think, that that they were maybe good bucks. And at 7:10, they crossed that access road, and we noticed that one of the bucks we were pretty sure was the buck that that this deer we were targeting was hanging around with. So we were kind of like, uh oh. And at this point in time, like I said, it's 7:10, and legal shooting ends at 7:25 this night. So we're we're like getting down to the wire. In the timber, it's really dark at this point too. Yeah, with that with that canopy, it was it was getting dark. I mean, pretty much too dark for camera light, and and getting getting there towards the end so at 7 13 i looked at the access road and, and he was literally standing in it and i about lost my mind i knew it was him immediately i tapped jake i dropped my rangefinder, and i said there he is and i started hooking my my release on my d loop and he was he was coming like straight for us so he ended up walking it was like it might even have been less i think it was like between eight and ten yards i mean he was right below us and uh, he was actually right behind a doe, and he was like moving, like he was, yeah, he was right on her. And I just, I mean, it all happened in five seconds. I stopped him at ten yards, tucked it right behind his shoulder, and I don't have a lighted knock on my setup. It just, it's one of those deals. I, I have a, a system, you know, the broadhead, the arrow, the the knock that I shoot, and I'm so confident in it, and I didn't want to change anything, so. I didn't have a lighted knock or anything, but I tucked it right behind his shoulder, and it sounded great. That that cavity hit, that pop, like it sounded good, but it was getting so dark and not having a lighted knock. I wasn't extremely confident on where I hit him. I mean, it sounded good, I felt good, but I wasn't, you know, positive where I hit him. So he wheeled around and he actually like bumped into our tree, which is crazy. So he ran into our tree and then took off right back down the path that he came. So Jake and I are stunned. We're like, holy cow, that's him. I cannot believe that worked. Did I hit him good? Like, what's going on? Jake's you know, trying to film me, telling me to do an interview, and I'm sitting there, like, freaking out. So we kind of get all together. I FaceTime our dad and say, hey, you know, we, we hit the big one, and he's like, I'm coming. I'm on my way down. This farm's probably 35, 40 minutes from our house. So he was heading down. I texted Easton. I said, hey, man, are you in town? He was like, yep. It's like I hit him. So he was coming out to meet us. Jake and I climbed down, and uh, first blood was actually at the base of our tree, literally at the base of our tree. My arrow didn't pass through him, oddly enough. I'm shooting an expandable head and did not pass through him. Um, but, yeah, first blood was at the base of our tree, and there was this little sapling that was just covered in blood. So we felt pretty good. But we backed out and, you know, obviously wanted to give him some time, wanted to wait for Easton and my dad to get there. And then we took up the track job and uh, it was pretty good blood for probably 150 yards. And then the last 50 yards, it was like nothing. It was like a drop every 15 or 20 yards, Uh, Uh, like a pin drop. I was actually messaging our buddy that that tracks deer with a dog. And I was like, hey, man, are you in the area? Because I was like. I mean, it was great, great blood for like 150 yards and then just nothing. And I was like, what the heck? So I was literally messaging him, trying to see if he was in the area. And Easton tapped me on the shoulder. And he was like, hey, man, what would you do if I told you he was right here in the weeds? <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I want to admit, what was even crazier is like, once that blood really got sparse, obviously, as the person who shot it, you're getting sick to your stomach. 
You were, I would say, yeah, yeah you were, cute. yeah, you were not feeling great. And then we were considering backing out. You're like, what do we do? Like, do we need to wait on a dog. And so there was one other time we got this smell and you and I looked at each other, I think, and we're like, I think I smell them. Well, it turns out we thought we were standing right next to a scrape. And we're like, are we smelling these? Like, which seems like, like, like scrape. Dude. Yeah, well, like, are we smelling these scrapes? So then I think two more times you found like a little speck of blood. We went maybe another 30 yards or so. And I got that smell again. And this time I told you, I was like, dude, I feel like I smell them. And then I looked down and I was standing literally in another scrape. And so between you, me, Jake, and your dad, we're all standing there kind of talking, trying to figure out what to do. And we all obviously all had our headlights and I look over and this deer was laying in a, just a thick thing of multifloral rows, literally 10 steps from where we're standing. And I spotted his belly, which was facing us at the time. And then as I, I moved my light, his eyes reflected back too. And so I took just enough time to flip my camera on and hit record before I tapped Nick. It was like, what if I told you I see him like right there? And I was, I mean, I was jacked. I was so pumped. But what ended up happening, you know, we walked up to him. He had just it gotten to the point where he like clotted, you know, clotted up a little bit, which is why he, he stopped bleeding and he was he was bleeding internally quite a bit. But it was but one of those your arrow was still in him, so that clogged the hole a little bit too with the arrow shaft and sure. touchings and everything else. But sure, yeah, was, we talked about the Venari effect and and all those emotions and like that that just encompassed it right there. Like I went from seeing a lot of deer and then him showing up and then sticking him and not sure where I hit him and then great blood and high fiving and we're going to find him and then no blood. And then, Oh my gosh, I'm sick to my stomach. And then back on top of the roller coaster because Easton found him. Like it was just, it was great. It was absolutely great. And we were like, man, how on earth did this just come together? Which backtracking a little after Jake shot his buck, Easton went in on this farm the next like two nights after this specific deer and actually ended up hanging like five yards from the tree Jake and I killed him in. And he never saw him. So that was before Easton had had went down to southern Ohio and killed his, his buck. So we were joking now, like, I guess I was just, I think I was meant to, to get the arrow in him for whatever reason. But so thrilled and just so, so grateful and thankful. The best part of the whole freaking thing was just having, you know, my brother and my dad and a good buddy with me. That was, that was the best part about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, to have them at the base of your stand like that, that's insane. Like, we get close encounters with bucks, but I, I've never had one, like, right at the bottom of the tree like that. So, that'd be super awesome. And, uh, like, there, you know, there's a lot of good knowledge in this about just tracking deer. And I guess when you do three that close, you know, together, you get you get a lot of experience. Because I volunteer to go on track jobs a lot with other people because – you can't learn that stuff by, you know, reading a book. You got to see it. You got to go in there and track a deer and see what it does. Because I remember the first time someone says, oh, wounded deer won't run uphill. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay. And then I follow that. And then three track jobs in, the last three, they ran uphill. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, this is bullshit. Whoever told me this? <laughs> <laughs> so you just got to get out there and 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 figure it out. So, uh I think, you know, you look at these three bucks uh, back to back to back like that. You guys not only learn a lot about how to hunt them, you know, be mobile, find the deer, get in there and kill them, but also about finding the deer after the shot. And I feel like that is something that 
is not talked about a lot. You know what I mean? And I know multiple, every year I get multiple text messages, hit a good buck, couldn't find him, hit a good buck, couldn't find him. You know what I mean? So, and people are always asking me and I tell them what I, what I, you know, think, but I haven't been on an app, you know, a ton. I've been on a lot, but everyone you can go on to help another guy is something you can learn and try to read what's going on. But I've seen deer, our taxidermist last year, hit one, literally hit him in the left shoulder, went out the right shoulder, got both lungs, and the blood was nothing for 60 yards. Then it was really good for 50 yards. Then it was nothing for 25 yards and then it was really good for 20 yards and it was nothing and then there's a deer you know what i mean so i think it goes back to a lot of what broadhead you're shooting how big your exit is and if you shoot the deer higher you're not going to get as much blood you know what i mean you shoot a deer low you get that low exit you're going to get more blood so that's a great point yeah that's you should write a book on that because you're right it's i think so many you know, obviously we always try and encourage new hunters to, to get into the sport, but there, there isn't a lot, I feel like there isn't a lot of information out there about like after the shot and what you need to do and what you need to look for and how you need to handle it. And so many guys like Easton, I mentioned earlier, you're so excited. Maybe it's your first year, maybe it's your first buck. And it's just like, let's just keep going. Let's, you know, let's just keep going. And best thing you can do and you owe it to the animal i think is just get you know give it some time he, he might be he might be 40 yards away piled up and he's been dead for an hour but maybe he's not and i think at the end of the day you'd be much more happy with yourself if you if you let him go for a couple hours and you find him than just shrugging through the woods 30 minutes later and like you said bumping him out of his bed and you got a 50 50 chance maybe of finding him well and what what we have learned too over the years is that I, and i think this is true about every year that we've killed so far and part of it is because we try to take our time to document this stuff with the cameras and that that forces us to slow things down a little bit you got to get lights you got to get cameras ready and you have more people so you're obviously moving slower and more quietly through the woods as best you can but I don't think there's been a single deer that we've started tracking within two hours of the shot since we started filming our hunts. I think because we always have to have that time frame, whether it's a morning and, and it's a daytime track job or it's an evening shot and you're tracking in the dark, we always give them probably about two hours before we even start picking up the trail. Just because one, we've learned that it's not going to hurt. You know, if, if anything, like with Easton's buck, there's probably people out there that could argue, well, the meat went to waste. And I don't think that's true at all. The coyotes ate it. It's not like it rotted there on the side of the road for three months. Coyotes ate it. They got a meal. It's not the best thing because we would obviously love to have that venison, but giving them time is never going to hurt you. So. Yeah, no. And I know I've said it on here a couple of times, but if when you do go in and you jump a giant and you watch him run out of your life forever, then you're really cool with letting deer lay and wait. <laughs> <Super cool. laughs> then you're like, oh, let's let him lay. Let's let him lay two days. You know what I mean? Whatever it takes <laughs> to not, you know, let it happen. So that was me. You know, I jumped an absolute, I think he was 190. People think he was bigger. I think he's in the one nineties. I let him set for 11 hours and I jumped him. And I jumped that deer and 
instead of just like you said, instead of backing out at that point, the guys that were with me were like, Oh, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. So I keep pushing that deer and then the deer disappears forever. And not only did I lose him, but no one else got to even see the deer, you know, for what he, how great he was and how big of a deer he was and unique. Now there's some squirrel out there that's shoot off all the drop tines and kickers and everything. And <laughs> he's laying in some ditch, you know what I mean? So, um, a lot of people say, do it out of the respect for the animal, you know, go in there, don't let the coyotes get him. But sometimes the best thing for the animal is not to bump them. You know what I mean? That's the sport yeah. that we're in. You try to make the best shot possible, but it just doesn't happen sometimes. Yep, exactly. You can only control so much. And we talked earlier about deer dropping and all these unforeseen circumstances. And yeah, at the end of the day, sure, we we eat venison religiously. We always, always, always want to, you know, be able to to take that meat back home with us. But at the end of the day, we're hunters and we want to recover that deer. So I think it was a good backing up to Easton's. I think that was a good learning experience because we've never, like you said, we've never ex- personally had that happen to us. But I, I wouldn't do it over. I, yeah. I don't think you would either. That's it. Moving forward in years to come, I think it's always best just to back out. and You can't control what the coyotes do. And Jake, I mean, Jake sat for way longer than yours did. And it was untouched. You just, you just never know. Yeah, no, never know. Yeah, no, I'm glad he mentioned, no two shots are the same. And like hindsight's always 20-20. Looking back, it was a double lung shot. The deer was probably dead within minutes of me squeezing off that, that arrow. But at the same time, like, you could see this, a very similar shot, and the deer may have been one lung and liver and lived for eight hours or less. You never, you just never know. And that's the kind of shot on a deer that you can go in six hours and into a track job and having waited six hours and bump them. And they, like you said, found out of your life forever. You never see them. Never yeah. Find them. Yeah. Yep. That's true. I think there's a lot of good knowledge for people that are, you know, wanting to get into hunting and that first track job. Um, I can remember mine, man. It's scary. The anticipation. I think every one of them is scary, man. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're trying to, you put all this work in and then you're like, okay, now I just got to find this deer. And, you know, I know he's dead, but, uh, um, big thing, big takeaways from this, take your time, try to make the best decision that you think's right. And then live with the consequences, you know what I mean? Of what happens with your decision. So. Yeah, for sure. The more deer I've shot over the years, I've learned, like, I don't get too excited once I shoot the deer, no matter how good the shot looks, unless I see that deer, see that deer go down or until I put my hands on his rack, I just, I have a hard time getting real excited because they're all different. Oh yeah. I've seen him go down before and I'm like, ah, I'm pretty sure he went down. Not real sure. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you're in in your head, you're like, I'm pretty sure I seen him go down, heard him crash, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So that's how he's in the hour. (laughs) (laughs) He's in the back of your truck and you call homie and say, I, I got him, but I'm still not sure. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not real sure. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, uh, we're we're up here to an hour now, and uh, go ahead and let the listeners know where they can, you know, view all this content. You guys are releasing the videos of these buck kills, and uh, I know there's some listeners out out there that want to uh, want to see this. Well, um, we we run all all types of social media platforms. Um, 
Instagram, Facebook, we've got a Twitter, and it's all at the Venari Effect. Um, you can go to YouTube and search the Venari Effect, and our channel will pop up there. That's where all of our videos um, hang out. Um, and then for those of us who listen to podcasts on the way to work, we've got a Spotify channel where the tailgate talks live if you want something to do while you're in the car traveling. So. All right. Well, um, we appreciate you guys coming on, uh, and, uh, congratulations on an absolute banner year. And, uh, I don't know if you guys got anything left in the tank or not, but still early. So I hope to see each one of you guys on that page with another buck. So nothing gets me more jacked up than one of my buddies with a buck. I, I know how much you guys work for it and how much passion you guys got. So, uh, just a huge congratulations to you guys. We really appreciate that, guys, and likewise, much much respect for you guys and what you do for the industry as well. Um, we need—I said it before—but we need we need more folks like yourself in this world and specifically in this industry. So, Easton's got a Kentucky tag burning in his pocket, so we're gonna keep at him. We got some creative ideas for some doe hunts, and uh, more importantly, we're gonna be honed in and watching our social medias to check out what you guys are doing on your rutcation and pulling for you hoping you you both tag out and shoot some booters all right that right there is three bucks killed in 13 days right homie yes three guys three biggest bucks they've ever killed with a bow in 13 days in the early season insane absolutely insane um huge shout out to these guys if you're not following these guys you gotta check them out um great content great dudes and they're killing Deer. like there's a lot of people out there putting content out but they ain't killing you know I mean? mm -hmm. these guys are getting it done um we are three two days away from our vacation three days before we're gonna be in a tree bro like hardcore like living in the woods you know what i've been thinking about what I'm yeah. gonna take for lunch. <laughs> I know I've been thinking about that hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna top your game so much you're gonna be pissed when I start pulling stuff out of that bag. Oh yeah, I know, I know it, I know it. When I killed freeze, I had pot stickers. Yeah, yeah. You bring the tiny the big boys. But... Alright guys, um it's time to hunt your faces off. The free rut's here, the rut is coming. Um, get out there, do the right thing, help other hunters out, leave a legacy, and wipe the legacy is out. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.